For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to Believe in Mommy. He brought you by the Believe Network. As always, I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. Not coming to you live today. I know I haven't gone live streaming in some time now, but I was busy last weekend and this weekend. As you might be able to hear in my voice, I'm a little bit under the weather. And if you can't hear it in my voice, Go watch my my YouTube video from yesterday, my reaction to the Heat game versus, I don't even remember who they played, versus the Jazz because it was a trip. But anyways, I wanted to come to y'all with a podcast post because we got a whole lot to talk about. Timestamps are down below on the YouTube video and on the audio side. You just got to look in that description because there's a lot to get into. Now, in the last week, the Miami Heat went 3-1. They had that win versus the Kings when Jimmy Butler was suspended, and that was one of the most fun wins of the season. You also had that win versus the Blazers in the F. Joe Cronin game. I wish the, the Dane package would have played a little bit better. Jovic had a little bit of a run there, but regardless, the Heat still got a win. And then they did lose to the Denver Nuggets, a game that I did not watch live because I was feeling terrible. But from my research and reading Twitter and watching the highlights, it sounds like the story of the game was terrible. They're having like 17 air balls, but... It is what it is, because going into that game versus the Jazz, I do feel like Terry Rozier is really where that game turned around in the third quarter. And obviously, Jimmy Butler is in his gym VP mode, and he was dominant yesterday with 37 points, and the Miami Heat came away with a win. All of that being said, the Miami Heat are now sixth place in the Eastern Conference. They are tied in the loss column with Orlando at seven, one up on Indiana in the loss column at eight, and they are... Wow, they're actually one game back of the Knicks at four because both the Knicks and the 76ers have 25 losses. The Miami Heats have 26. So everything is very, very close in the Eastern Conference. That's why every win matters. Now, my goal for this Heat team is just to finish in the top six because I don't want to play in the play-in tournament. We know last year they almost missed the playoffs entirely because they, of course, lost the first game to the Atlanta Hawks. And then they were one Max Struess explosion away from losing to the Chicago Bulls and missing out on the playoffs entirely so anything can happen when you're in a when you're in a one game winner go home thing right so i want to avoid that and i also think it puts the heat at a major disadvantage because they're coming off a intense play-in tournament battle while the milwaukee bucks were resting you know going into that first round series now it obviously didn't matter the heat kicked the bucks ass but i still i still think the most rest that this heat team can get going into the playoffs the better so I don't care if they finish six. I don't care if they finish five. Obviously, top four is ideal. You get to play at home in the first round. But if not, I don't care. We know this Heat team can win games on the road. I think they just won like their last six road games prior to the Denver game, right? So we know they can win on the road. I don't care if they have to do that. Truthfully, I think this Heat team likes starting playoff series in the road. Because like we saw last year, we know they can steal one of two, if not both, like they did versus Celtics. And now you got all that momentum coming home. And if you protect home court, you are in a great, great situation there. 
obviously you'd want the game seven at home. That's kind of the advantage of finishing, you know, with a with a better home or with a better record. But the Miami Heat did go into Boston in TD Garden and beat the Celtics ass in game seven. So clearly they don't care about any of that stuff anyways. But I do want to finish top six to avoid the play-in tournament. Obviously, now, I don't like the scoreboard watch. That's something that I found a little bit annoying watching these broadcasts. You have Eric Reed saying, oh, the Magic lost today. Oh, the Pacers lost today. Oh, look at the 76ers. They came away with an L. The way I look at it, worry about your own team. And I get, you know, this is nothing against Eric Reed. He's just doing his job. And this is something he does every year because it is relevant. You got to let the people know how the competition is doing. But as Heat fans, I think we should stop worrying about what other teams are doing because we've seen this Heat team have a ton of bad losses. The Miami Heat play the Detroit Pistons next. If the Heat lose to the Pistons, then it doesn't matter what the hell the Magic are doing or what the hell the Knicks are doing because you got to take care of your own business. And it's not like the season ends next week, right? You still got a, what, a month and a half, couple months left in the season. You got to take care of your own business. And it's irrelevant at this point what anybody else does. Because it's been frustrating earlier this year when we've seen the Heat have bad losses. And you're saying, hey, oh, this other team lost, so let's celebrate. Oh, the Milwaukee Bucks just lost five games in a row after hiring Doc Rivers. But the Heat were in the midst of like a seven-game losing streak themselves. Now, I know the Heat beat the Bucs, and it started to, tide started to turn at the same time. Uh, and obviously, the Bucs are actually playing pretty well now. I know defensively, they've been a little bit better. So maybe they're starting to figure it out under Doc. But we know come playoff time, that's where Doc Rivers shows how much of a bum he truly is. So I'm not worried about that team. Uh, but point is, if you're the Miami Heat, you got to take care of your own business. They actually have, I believe, the easiest remaining strength of schedule. So that being said, you're in good shape. Take care of business. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Because that's not something that we've been able to say about the Miami Heat for many years now. They always play down to the competition and they have a lot of bad losses. They were down double digits to the Utah Jazz yesterday. And I wasn't getting nervous, but it wasn't, it was too close for comfort for majority of the time. Which is fine. I'm not saying that you're gonna blow out all these teams. There's professionals on the other side too. But at the end of the day, you gotta beat who you can beat. And they did that yesterday. So I'm very happy. I don't care if they win by one. I don't care if they win by 10. You just got to take care of business. No, I know I said they have the easiest remaining schedule left in the NBA, but it's not a cakewalk. Uh, just looking at the next few games here, you do have the Detroit Pistons next. That's on March 5th. But after that, you got Dallas. Very tough. You got OKC on the road. Very tough. Washington, you should win. But then you got Denver again right after that. And after that, you do play Detroit a couple times, uh, followed by a Joel Embiid list 76 or so. It lightens up a tad after that. But point is, this next week, I guess, will be rough. Week, week and a half uh, with Dallas, OKC, Denver. So if you can win a couple of those games, you'll be looking pretty good uh, because that's sort of a nice measuring stick for this team. Uh, obviously, the Heat have been playing well. I really want them. Uh, I really want to see them keep that up. Now, a couple interesting factors in that. One, you still got Tyler Hero out. If he comes back, how will that kind of kind of fare in this rotation? Because let's say he could play next game versus Detroit, right? This team has been playing so, so, so well. Duncan Robinson has been playing so, so well. Do you bench him? Because we know this season, Duncan Robinson coming off the bench is not as good as Duncan Robinson starting. This season as a starter, Duncan's averaging like 17 points a night on very efficient shooting. And if you bring back Tyler Hero into that, who Tyler Hero's had a nice, you know, he's had a fine season, 
But if you look at this team's record, when he has started next to Terry Rozier, it's not great. Now, if you've been a, if you've been watching this uh, channel for a while, been listening to this podcast, you know I like Tyler Hero. I think he's a very good player, three-level scorer. There's not many of those in this league. But I think on this specific team, he is better coming off the bench. I don't think his fit in the starting lineup is great. I don't think he's a great facilitator. I think he's a little too inefficient for my liking. And I think he takes shots away from Bam and Abile and Jimmy Butler, which is not something that I like to see. And it's not rocket science to see that Terry Rozier and Tyler Hero have a very similar play style. So I suppose you could bench Terry and start Tyler Either way, I think one of those guys needs to come off the bench, run that second unit. Now, I don't think Spolcher will do it. He may bench Terry. He certainly won't bench Tyler because he started for so long. If you go back to that, I don't know how well Tyler would take that. He may look at it as a sign of disrespect. I don't know. But either way, we know Spoh is not going to bench Tyler. But I personally would start Terry instead because I do think he's a bit of a better facilitator. Now, we've seen Tyler have games with double-digit assists and have some very nice plays, but Terry Rozier has been a better playmaker in his career. Obviously, he's a bit older, and I'm not even saying he's a better player. I just think he's a better facilitator. Now, he's not having a great season shooting the ball efficiency-wise either, especially since joining the Miami Heat. But his last two games have been better, so maybe he's finally starting to get used to things, and we'll kind of see that efficiency go back up to to normal, you know, in the high 30s from three, you know, lowest 40s from uh, the the field goal range, which isn't great, but it's not as awful as he's been. Uh, and even as a pick and roll passer, there's no doubt about it. Terry Rozier is way better. He was actually like the sixth leading uh like attempts in uh, pick and roll passing this season are, are picking lob passing. And I love that next to Bam and about. We haven't seen a ton of those two connect, uh, but I still think that he's a very nice facilitator. Even if it's not like the, the pick and lob, the little pocket pass he does uh, to Bam in the middle, right in his sweet spot at that mid range. I just really like that connection. And on top of that, that means that you're starting Duncan Robinson at the two. And we know his connection with Jimmy and his connection with Bam is undeniably special. That dribble handoff that they do to get Duncan Robinson open has been cash all season. His whole career, really. It's one of the most efficient shots in basketball history. It's like, I I always say, number one, Kareem Skyhook. Number two, Hakeem Olajuwon's dream shake. And number three is Duncan Robinson, bam it about, dribble handoff. It's a thing of beauty. And now this season, you got Duncan Robinson like faking the shot and then doing the little dump off past the bam, rolling to the basket. It's been amazing. And obviously, Duncan Robinson has been way improved just from shooting the ball from the two-point range, layups, floaters, the whole shebang, right? Uh, and I just think that starting lineup with your, your backcourt of Terry and Duncan Robinson is most optimal for this team. Now, the other interesting notes uh, as far as the starting lineup is Nikolajovic seems like Spolstra's giving my boy a bit of a leash because earlier in the season, he'd play a little bit. And if he made a mistake or two, Spo would kind of yank him early. I, I get it. He's young. You're trying to win games. But Jovic has started the last, what, close to 10 games now, it seems like. And he's been he's been good. I think he's been good. Uh, he hasn't been as dominant as a lot of Heat fans think he was. That's why, you know, I was telling because... When you had everyone hurt, Jovic was getting a bigger role. He's playing very well. We saw him score like 20 points for someone. I forget who, but all these Heat fans are like, oh, he's going to be a star. You got to start him right away. And I said, temper your expectations. He's 20 years old. For every game that he scored 20, we've seen him score zero and miss like six layups. Now, 
He will be a very great player one day. But obviously, as a young guy, he's going to go through these trials and tribulations. So I just said, temper your expectations. He is what he is at this point. He's a, a very nice shooter and a great facilitator, a guy that could push pace, you know, especially as a 6'10 guy. So Spo has been starting him at that power forward spot. We know that's something earlier in the season Jovic didn't really love because he wants to play more of a point guard. But I do feel like he's got a lot of opportunity to run the offense at the powerful position. So I really like how they've been using him. And of late, since everyone's been healthy and he's been starting, he's been a very nice complimentary piece. You, you can't really tell he's there a lot of the times, which I think is great because it means he's not making mistakes. It means he's playing his role well and fitting in seamlessly. When he's getting the ball at the three-point line off driving kicks, he's cashing it. He's at like 45% from three this year. When the offense is slowing down a little bit, they give it to Jovic, who could have two, three buckets in a row. In a a row, because that's why they're starting him. Because he's a very good offensive player, and this Heat offense kind of sucked for a while. Now, I personally think I would start Jaime Hawkins at the four, because neither one of those guys is really playing great defense. Uh, Jaime is, is okay; he's not a bad defender. Jovic gets cooked a lot of the times. He's 6'10", yes, but he's obviously skinny. He's a child, literally, right? And I just think if both of those guys are not going to play defense, I'd rather have the better offensive player because I do feel like Jaime Hawkins uh, fits very well with that starting lineup as well. People will point to the shooting and say, oh, well, if you have to drive and kick, they'd rather drive and kick to Jovic instead of Jaime. I get it. Jovic is obviously a way better shooter, so in theory, he fits better offensively. But this Heat team has still got off to very bad starts offensively. They were down like 9-0 to the Jazz yesterday. They were down like 9-0 to the Nuggets before that. I think they got, they got off to a slow start versus Portland too. They were down almost double digits in the first quarter. So it's not like this starting lineup has been world beaters on offense. You know, They've still been starting off a little slow. So for that reason, I think I'd like to at least try Jaime Hawkins. He's the better player at this point. But I have no problem with continuing to start Jovic. I mean, you have Hamid come off the bench, and he could kind of be that scorer in that second unit too. Uh, and let's say they they start Tyler Hero again. Well, now you got Hamid Hawkins on the bench that hopefully can can be that go-to score. Because the one thing I've been saying about Hamid is, you know, he went out with the groin injury, and during that time, everyone else kind of got healthy. And then when Hamid came back, he didn't quite have as big a role as he did prior. And I think he's too good a scorer. He's too efficient coming out of that post in that mid-range game to not get you know, six or seven looks a game, minimum. I, I really believe in that because every time he gets the ball down low, he is cooking. Uh, but more so, I want to talk about Jimmy Butler, who's taking a clear step as, you know, the meme is ringing true once again, where you, you start the season October for the next few months. It's does Jimmy even care about basketball? And then you start to get to February and March. And that's when you get the hashtag Jim VP going all the way into April and May where it says uh is Jimmy Butler Michael Jordan 2.0 you know because we know how he turns his game up as the game starts to matter most and it has been as evident as ever he's excited in the games he's screaming and one had like six and ones yesterday uh versus the Jazz he was getting into it and it, it's obvious as a Heat fan when, when Jimmy cares I don't have to explain that to y'all uh, but they actually did ask him about this transition into playoff Jimmy. And uh, it was after a game, a couple games ago. And he basically ad- admitted it. In the past, Jimmy has said there's no such thing as playoff Jimmy. Now, that was in the midst of the playoffs. He doesn't want to focus on that. Uh, but right now, they kind of asked him about his difference in aggression. And he said that 
you know, obviously it's a long season. You have to pick and choose to conserve your body, especially at his age. And I think it makes sense. I mean, a lot of Heat fans didn't like he's getting paid all this money to coast earlier in the season, but he is 34 years old. Uh, he, he's not a spring chicken no more. He's And especially a guy like that who his body hits the floor 10 times a game, you got to conserve your body. And if him coasting in you know January versus the Pistons means that he could score 57 points versus the Bucks in the playoffs, then it's worth it to me. Now, last season, I think Jimmy needed to pick and choose his spots a little bit better. He waited a little bit too long to get it going because they almost missed the playoffs entirely. And what good is playoff Jimmy if you missed the playoffs? But this season, it's obviously he's getting it going a little bit early. And, and it's just nice to see how when he tries, how unstoppable he is. Like, I, I feel really lucky that this guy plays for my favorite team. He's so, so fun to watch. You had some other Jimmy Butler news this week where he was in that that Fallout Boy music video. You had the return of emo Jimbo, and he, I think the name of the song was like uh, "Sorry for Stardust" or, or something like that. Uh, that's not my type of music. Uh, I'm not a Fallout Boy or anything like that. But low key, the song is kind of good. Uh, so make sure y'all go check that out. Uh, Fallout Boy, sorry for gazing at Stardust, something like that. Just look up Fallout Boy; it'll come up. Uh, but Jimmy Butler was essentially just dressed up as emo Jimbo in some whimsical purple outfit. And he was dancing the whole video. And it, it was really, really funny. Like, it just, it, it's like you watch this guy dressed like that, dancing like that. And you're like, this is the guy that's cooking your favorite team in the playoffs. This is the guy that is cooking the best perimeter defender in the league, Drew Holiday, in the playoffs, screaming, I own you just an absolute animal and then you see him do that and then dance in a fallout boy music video uh i put a tweet out uh that did pretty well actually make sure y'all follow me at anthony d underscore heat on twitter uh so that way you can see when i'm posting and all that kind of stuff but uh i said that jimmy butler has found the perfect balance of not taking himself too seriously and you know enjoying life outside of basketball and also being a cold-blooded killer on the court that leaves no doubt in Miami Heat fans' minds that he cares about winning a championship over everything else. It's like a lot of times you might have players that, that care too much about the game and they don't enjoy life outside of basketball, and I think that's important because it's a business, it's a game at the end of the day. Their, their life outside should be more important, right? But then you got a lot of guys that worry about that too much. You got James Harden with all the partying, and that was a big thing with Dwight Howard too much. He was joking around. You didn't think they really cared about winning a championship. But ask any Heat fan how bad Jimmy Butler wants a championship, and they will tell you that he wants a ring more than anything else in the world. He's truly a special player and a special person. The fact that he can have all this fun you know, outside of the court and enjoy life as he should, but then be able to flip a switch and be an absolute killer when the games matter most. And that's something that I truly admire about Jimmy Butler, that do not take that for granted. He's a very special player, a very special person, and I really hope I have the chance to meet him one day and just thank him for being such a great inspiration and role model because he truly is. He's a one-of-a-kind player, and I just don't want that to be taken for granted uh that's pretty much all the the direct Miami Heat uh news that we saw this week there was one story about uh I think Chris Paul was on a podcast with Dwayne Wade uh and essentially the report came out that Chris Paul was ready to join the Miami Heat 
He was on top, and this was Big Three Miami, so it would have been CP3, Wade, and LeBron. Uh, but then apparently somebody asked who would wear number three, and Wade said, I'm going to wear number three. And CP3 said, oh, no, I'm going to wear number three. And I guess it just fell apart because of that because neither one of them wanted to concede the number three. Uh, a bit ironic because most people call Chris Paul CP zero rings anyways. So it's a bit ironic that he cares about the number three so much. But hey, if that guy cares more about a number than winning a championship, I don't want that guy on my team anyways. Uh, but that would that would have been a nice big three. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, some other NBA news that we got this week. Uh, there's talks and Adam Silver is starting to whisper about maybe changing the rules to advantage the defense because he thinks that scoring has maybe got a little bit too out of hand. Now, a couple things that we've heard with that is maybe bringing back hand checking or eliminating the three-second violation, you know, defensive three-second violation. Now, as far as the hand checking, right? For those of you that don't remember, there was hand checking in like the 90s. I say that as if I was alive. I wasn't. I was born in 98. But basically, you were allowed to press your hand on the defender while they were isoing or driving. You weren't allowed to push, but you were essentially allowed to keep your hand on their side or on their back, right? Now, they eliminated that. If you touch a guy even for a second, it's a foul. Uh, I think if you were to bring that back in the league, I, I don't think that'd make much of a difference. I think these guys nowadays are, are so skilled that uh, it, it wouldn't really affect scoring. The one thing I do like about it is maybe that would eliminate the James Harden's rip through trying to draw a foul. You know, if you have a guy's hand sticking out, Harden tries to rip through. I guess now that that wouldn't be illegal. Maybe it still would be that they'd call like a shooting foul or something. But uh, I do think there's too much ticky-tack fouls in the NBA. So that I don't have as much of a problem with. Eliminating the defensive three seconds, though, I think is kind of crazy. Just imagine a guy like Rudy Rudy Gobert does it anyways. He gets away with whatever he wants. But imagine him now legally being able to stand in the paint. Uh, Victor Wembanyama being able to stand in the paint the entire time, not having to take a step out, I think it'd be very hard for defenses to score in the paint, almost impossible. Now, I get they can't stay in there all game because in today's game, especially with all these stretch fours and stretch fives, the other team's big men's going to have to go out to guard them and you could kind of play around like that. But I, I do think eliminating that is maybe too much. I've heard other, you know, reports of maybe they change it from three to four seconds or four to five seconds. And truthfully, I don't think that makes that big a difference because they don't really enforce this rule to begin with anyways. So I'm curious to see if that would change anything. Now, as far as the scoring, we've talked about this earlier because there's been games that have been like 145 to 146. And it's like, whoa, scoring's getting out of hand. Defenses don't try no more. It's not as physical that's well the the physicality part's true obviously it's not as physical as what you saw in the the 90s and 80s and stuff but to me I think the main reason that you're having this scoring outburst is just offenses are better look at the stuff that guys like Luka Doncic is doing even what James Harden is doing and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry LeBron James who just hit 40,000 points last night crazy uh look what those guys are doing how can you guard that I mean, when Luca's hitting stuff with three people just drenched over him, hand in his jersey, and he's still cashing it from 35 feet, what do you want defenses to do? I think it's good for the NBA because, obviously, the more scoring, the more exciting it is in theory, I guess, but also it's good because look how talented these guys are playing. Now, I don't think it'll ever get to the point where guys are, where teams are scoring 200 a game. I don't know if we'll ever see that at all. I don't know if I'd bet on it. 
I feel like one day you might see a team score 200. I, I, I don't know for certain, but I personally don't have a problem with the scoring in the NBA right now. Maybe it's because I watched the Miami Heat and they barely crack 100 some nights, so everything looks normal to me. But overall, I don't think they need to do anything drastic to fix the issue because I'm not sure it's that big an issue to begin with. Uh, that's pretty much all I got as far as the Miami Heat now, uh, or the NBA, I guess I should say officially. A uh, couple of things I do want to shout out, though. Shout out to Inner Miami, Messi and those boys, man. Uh, I'm not a big soccer guy, but last year I watched almost every Inner Miami game trying to learn the sport because uh, obviously they got Messi. It's a big deal. Uh, and this season, they are 2-0-1. They do have one, one tie, uh, but that's good, man because they pretty much sucked last season, got messy, went on a run, but ended up missing the postseason. Uh, and I'd really like to see them make it this time. Uh, they did win League's Cup last year, so they had some success. And it's really fun. So if y'all are not tuned in, go go find a way to watch the games. It's only on Apple TV now, so maybe you have it, maybe you don't. But it is really fun. And that's coming from a guy who's not a soccer guy whatsoever. Of course, they got Luis Suarez, a big name from Europe, and he had he almost had a hat trick yesterday. One of them was called back, but he had two goals yesterday. I think the Inter Miami ended up winning five to nothing. You had Messi with a couple goals. Robert Taylor scored. It's really, really fun, uh, and they're they're playing well. They're they're playing well. And, uh, shout out to Messi, man, the goat, baby. Uh, and other news, the Miami Dolphins are having an interesting offseason ahead of them. Uh, And I just wanted to talk real quick about Christian Wilkins because there was a lot of news that came out about him this morning about whether the Dolphins would franchise tag him or not. Now, I personally don't know why they wouldn't franchise tag him. I think he's a very good player. And if you can get him for that price, whatever that price may be, why not keep him? But they want to let him go into unrestricted free agency. And he's a guy that might have a lot of offers. And I don't know if I would match, right? Because... I love Christian Wilkins, right? He's a great, great player. But is he a difference maker? I'm not so sure about that. Is he he way better than Zach Sealer? I'm not so sure about that. So I don't think I'd pay him accordingly, you know? Now, ideally, the Miami Heat would have never traded for Bradley Chubb. They would have never paid Bradley Chubb. And they could have used a lot of that money to pay guys like Van Ginkle and Wilkins. But they're, they're dumb and they did do it. Bradley Chubb is terrible. Now, I hope, well, let me not, okay, let me not say terrible. This might be a lot of people's first time hearing me talk about the Dolphins. He had a fine season, but I, I'm a pretty big Bradley Chubb. I don't want to say hater, but he's been so disappointing in his Dolphin tenure. He really has. Now, I know his sack numbers were fine this year, but too many mistakes, too many times not showing up, too many times being the last guy to jump on a pile and celebrating like he did something. He's just a frustrating watch to me, right? And I don't think he's better than Van Ginkle, and I don't think he's better than Christian Wilkins and the rest of the defensive line, but I digress. The Dolphins already lost Xavier Howard. They said they may bring him back, actually, but I don't think they will. I wasn't too mad at that. Uh, Obviously, I love Xavier Howard, one of my favorite Dolphins ever, but at this stage of his career, Xavier Howard was well past his prime, wasn't great last year, wasn't great the year before. Now, I wish as a Dolphins fan that they had the his replacement on the roster. Obviously, you're going to have Jalen Ramsey, but as far as your second cornerback, Cam Smith, you just drafted him very high a year, two years ago. He could barely see the field last year. Now, they were saying that was a Vic Vangio problem. It's pretty clear since Vangio's departure, a lot of the team did not like Vic Vangio, but I'm pretty sure if Cam Smith was good, he would have been out there because we saw Eli Apple get plenty of snaps last year, and we know that he sucks. So 
whatever. You lost Xavier Howard. I wish him well. I do think it was time to move on from him. But if you're the Miami Dolphins, I, I would like you to re- retain Christian Wilkins at the right price. I thought that would have been with the franchise tag. So if you don't tag him, I don't know what you'll do. But I'd hate to see you lose him for nothing. But that's all I really got to say for this podcast. I don't want to get into the Dolphins too much because this is a heat podcast and my voice is giving out. And I've been on the verge of a cough attack for like 25 minutes now. So anyways, if you're on the audio side, make sure to leave five stars. And if you're on the YouTube channel, make sure to like and subscribe because it does help me out a lot. And I'll see you next time. Peace out. Look, pull up in the city, trying to get that dead fast. Like, do it on my own, I don't need no dead weight. Like, had to kill him off, yeah, I need a head space. You know this homegrown bitch don't offend me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.